The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, cattle producers in Alberta are either relocating their herd to a safe place or are preparing to do so as wildfires continue to burn in parts of that province. We'll hear from the chair of the Alberta beef producers, Brody Hogan. And Saskatchewan cattle producers are keeping a close eye on that situation as well. The CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association will join us on today's program. We'll have part two of our interview from yesterday with CEO Bill Gruel of the Protein Industries Canada Cluster. And of course, they've put out uh, another round of accepting expression of interest letters for their technology leadership program. So we will have details on that. And a weekly overview of the wheat market has once again been provided by Michael Wilton from Mercantile Consulting Venture. We'll have that on today's program as well. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Cattle producers in Alberta are either relocating their herd to a safe place or are preparing to do so as wildfires continue to burn in parts of that province. Chair of the Alberta Beef Producers, Brody Hogan, says producers are keeping each other up to date through social media and other means of communication. Yes, for sure. So again, we've heard from direct sources as well as on social media that operations have been affected and every operation is unique as to what they may need to do to ensure the safety of themselves as well as the safety of their animals. But definitely there are people on the ground actively ensuring that everything is being done that we can possibly do to ensure the safety of animals and people. He says it's great to hear that livestock producers have been helping each other out. Oh, it's incredible how much support there is in the agriculture community. Uh, People are opening up their land, their homes, and providing their own support and services to help these operations, um, either moving cattle, doing anything required to help these operations, and even taking cattle in and people into into their homes. So it's incredible to see the outreach. However, Hogan doesn't know what kind of impact the fires will have on livestock feed heading into the summer. Uh, It's still too early to tell. Uh, we're coming off several years of severe droughts, and so the feed inventories across Western Canada are probably at a, an all-time low still. And so we hope that it starts to rain, but right now we're just keeping a pulse on what's going to happen in the coming days and weeks and ensure we can do everything we can to make sure that there's a, as much support as possible for these affected areas. And he outlines what Alberta Beef Producers is working on. So we're focusing on communication. We're doing everything that we can to make sure that producers have up-to-date current information at a timely matter. And so our staff has been working all weekend and dedicating as much of their time as possible to ensure active um, communications update um, on all of our communication platforms, on our website as well as our, our social media page. Brody Hogan is the chair of the Alberta Beef Producers. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Co-op Hale. Beef and Forage Report. 
A Canadian ag organization is pleased that Ottawa has secured full access to a trade market. Canadian Cattle Association Executive Vice President Dennis Laycraft says having access to global markets is critical to a thriving Canadian beef industry. His comments come after Canada regained full access to Guatemala after 10 years of negotiations. Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau announced the renewed access late last month. With the full market access, beef, pork and poultry products produced on or after April 17th are now eligible for export to Guatemala. Guatemala is Canada's largest bilateral trading partner in the region. Top ag exports from Canada to Guatemala in 2022 included cereals and fertilizers. Canada imports fruits, vegetables, sugar and other products from Guatemala. And that's the Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. X94 Ag Review. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser says the government will expand a pilot project to attract more temporary foreign workers to jobs in Canada's agricultural industry for another two years. The government launched the program three years ago to offer temporary workers in the agriculture and food sector a pathway to permanent residency in Canada. It was due to end later this month, but Fraser says it's going to continue until 2025. He says the pilot experienced some challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic and the government wants more time to test it out. The minister also says the family members of workers who make it into the program will be given open work permits so they can earn a living while they're in Canada. The agricultural sector is struggling with labour shortages and the minister says if they're not addressed it could hurt Canada's food security. Flax fields will be fewer and farther between in Western Canada this year, according to Statistics Canada's first survey-based seeding intentions report for 2023-24. In a report released late last month, StatsCan projected only 689,000 acres of flax seed to be planted this spring, an 11.6% decrease from the year before. More significantly, the total number of flax acres would be the fewest since 1950. While flaxseed area in Manitoba is expected to expand 40% to 71,200 acres, Saskatchewan and Alberta were projected to see declines of 11.7 and 31.6% to 527,300 and 88,000 acres, respectively. SAS Flax Chair Greg Sunquist says StatsCan's estimate for flax acres is very close. He says while flax prices are doing well, those for other commodities were outperforming it. The managed money net short position in Canola grew in early May as fund traders were busy liquidating long positions and moving more money to the short side of the market. That's according to the latest commitments of traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of May 2nd, the net managed money short position in Canola Futures came in at 62,218 contracts, an increase of about 10,000 contracts from the previous week. 
Open interest in the canola market came in May 2nd at 252,657 contracts, down by about 4,500 from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 55,000 contracts in soybeans, down by about 32,000 from the previous week, as traders liquidated longs and put on new shorts. You could be stuck in a severe drought or facing rains that will help alleviate that dryness or push back when fields should be dry enough to begin spring planting, depending on which region you're in. That's the assessment from Drew Lerner, President and Senior Agricultural Meteorologist at World Weather Inc. in Kansas. While the western half of the Canadian prairies will remain in a drought, Lerner said that isn't the case for the eastern half of the region. He says the outlook for that portion of the prairies calls for improved rains in the summer. As for large portions of Alberta and west-central Saskatchewan, the meteorologist notes he doesn't see an end to drought anytime soon. Quebec Provincial Police say they're investigating the death of a 29-year-old man who was trapped under a tractor on a farm on the province's Gaspé Peninsula. Police spokesman Sergeant Stephanie Tremblay says emergency services were called to the farm in New Richmond, Quebec, across Chaleur Bay from New Brunswick shortly before 11 p.m. Sunday night. He says the man was transported to hospital where he was declared dead. Tremblay says the tractor likely overturned on a slope. Ukrainian grain farmers in areas now free from Russian occupation are wondering if they should risk their lives to clear explosives before the critical spring planting season. They're also dealing with soaring production and transportation costs caused by Russia's blockade of many Black Sea ports. Experts predict losses, a reduction in output, and potentially thousands of bankruptcies. The head of the UN Food and Agriculture Organization in Ukraine says a drastic cutback in grain crops could threaten global food security. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in two minutes' time. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and 15 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan cattle producers are keeping a close eye on the wildfire situation in the province, as well as to what's happening in Alberta. CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, Grant McClellan, says they will be prepared should the situation take a turn for the worse. I mean, in terms of uh, the situation here in Saskatchewan, we're cautiously optimistic with the improvement uh, in the number of wildfires that have been contained in the province. Obviously, you know, we're watching closely with the evacuations from a a number of northern communities. As the wildfire map kind of shows, it's still a fairly present kind of danger. The risk is still uh, relatively high, uh, especially with us, uh, the industry facing 
a number of years of drought in a row. Uh, we're certainly hopeful that we get some moisture in the forecast here very shortly. But um, right now, it's kind of a, a wait-and-see approach. We know there's some concerns with, with air quality, and uh, that's something we're keeping an eye on. But uh, as it stands right now, we're more looking at our partners and counterparts in Alberta just to make sure that things are going fine for them because we know it's a bit more serious in Alberta right now. He says he's definitely keeping close tabs on the wildfire situation in Alberta. We've certainly been monitoring. We have uh, some of our producers up in the Lloydminster area that are keeping a very close watch on things. Um, Obviously, they are closer proximity to both the tree line in northern Saskatchewan, but they're also in the highest risk area right now uh, where the fire risk map is. But it's something, like you said, that we're we're keeping a very close watch on and having regular conversations with uh, our producers and our board members to make sure that if there's any additional steps or actions need to be taken, that we'll be ready to do that. McClellan says he has some ideas on how to help the affected ranchers. I think first and foremost, working closely with our counterparts at uh, in Alberta to determine what what some needs are, what some opportunities are. In the past, there have been fundraising efforts uh, to provide feed for folks or supports for anybody that may have lost uh, access to pasture land. I think of uh, think of the burst all fire uh, grassland fire that happened a number of years ago in Saskatchewan. It's it's really a matter of bringing the industry together and seeing what resources can be brought to bear while also working in close partnership with the Saskatchewan Public Safety Agency and the Ministry of Agriculture in terms of what opportunities there would be for the association to provide support. Grant McClellan is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdon. Attention. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 163.92 today. That's up 150. August live cattle closed at 161.55, up 147. August feeder cattle closed at 226.12, up 302. September feeder cattle closed at 229.65, up 3 full cents. June lean hogs closed at 84.40, up 110. July lean hogs closed at 86.50, up 122. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. U.S. wheat futures made fresh contract lows before closing higher at the end of the week. The movement higher was largely risk-off trading as the funds moved to a more neutral position after a statement of positive and negative news. News last week included cheap Russian new crop wheat sold to Egypt, the looming expiry of the Black Sea trade corridor, and weather concerns. In the significant purchases and trades, Egypt bought 600,000 tons of mainly Russian and some Romanian wheat at $250 to $260 a bushel on a FOB basis. Tunisia reportedly bought 100,000 tons of Durham on Friday, and U.S. weekly commercial sales were strong at 1.8 million bushels. And just a quick update on the cash prices, FOB wheat prices have adjusted further, led by Russian wheat at $260 on a FOB basis. 
Spring wheat off the west coast is cheaper than hard red winter in the Gulf. And for new crop, U.S. soft red winter is wheat is currently about $5 higher than Russian wheat, albeit on a FOB basis. And some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets. In Canada, spring wheat prices were supported last week as seeding progress continues to be slow and a large swath of the Canadian prairies is dry. Stats Canada released their export numbers for the month of March. They showed a season high of 2.2 million tons of wheat being exported during the month. Indonesia and China were the top customers. China has now imported a total of 2.5 million tons of wheat from August to September, more than three and a half times last year's amount. Exports to other countries were also high in March, at 668,000 tons. These countries have imported a combined 3.7 million tons, which is two times more than last year. Canadian exports from August to March total 13.8 million tons, which is the same pace as the 2020-21 season, when Canada shipped a total of 20.5 million tons. The AAFC's current export projection for the year is 19.6 million tons. For the weekly export data, the Canadian Grain Commission reported that Canada exported a large 573,000 tons of wheat in shipping week 39. Year-to-day exports as of April 30th are now 15.3 million tons. This compares with the 2020-21 season when 15.1 million tons of wheat had been shipped as of week 39. The average export pace for the season is 393,000 tons of wheat per week. If we maintain this pace for the remainder of the season, we'll export a total of 20.5 million tons. Good exports would lower the carryout to about 3 million tons, which is similar to last year's record low. For Durham, Stats Canada data shows that Durham exports in March were 434,000 tons. Algeria imported 129,000 tons for a season total of 648,000 tons. This is more than three times more than last year's volume. Italy imported another 76,000 tons for a year-to-date total of 1.1 million tons, which is almost four times more than last year. Durham exports in week 39 were strong again at 145,000 tons. The entirety of this was shipped through Vancouver. Freight from Vancouver to Europe and North Africa remains cheap compared to shipping through the Great Lakes. Canadian Durham exports will need to slow for the remaining quarter of the shipping season as supplies run short. We think there is another 800,000 tons of exportable supplies to ship in the remaining 13 weeks of the marketing year. This means average weekly exports will be about 60,000 tons per week. In the U.S., 12% of the U.S. spring wheat crop has been planted. This is up 5% from last week, but well behind the average pace of 22% complete. 2% of the crop has emerged, which is 4% behind average. Cold and rain is expected to move into the PNW and Northern Plains, which will continue to slow progress. Rain caused the condition of the U.S. winter wheat crop to gain two points over the week to 28% good to excellent. One quarter of the U.S. winter wheat crop has headed. Last week's rain will continue to improve the condition of the U.S. winter wheat crop, but it seems like the impact will be muted. 
The rain helped drought conditions in part of Colorado and southwest Kansas, but a large area of the winter wheat belt remains under extreme to exceptional drought. The Oklahoma Crop Tour is estimating that the state will produce 54.3 million bushels of wheat, which is 21% less than last year. Other estimates are smaller, at 40.7 million bushels. And in Australia, wheat futures in Australia were lower for old crop, but higher for new crop. It appears Asian buyers are largely covered into September. Record high ocean temperatures continue to argue that an El Nino is coming, but so far Australia has seen good moisture conditions. In Argentina, Badge did not make any changes to their wheat planting estimate despite ongoing dryness. New crop values in Argentina for December to January look competitive compared to US prices for that time. In the European Union, dry conditions in the EU are spreading to France and Germany. This will need to be watched, but it seems like dryness has, so far, degraded the crop from an exceptionally strong condition to more average levels. France and Germany collectively account for roughly 40% of the EU wheat production. And in the Black Sea, the pace of shipments from Ukraine has slowed as the deadline to the trade corridor approaches. The current agreement for the Black Sea Trade Corridor expires on the 18th. Delegates from Turkey, Russia, and Ukraine are in discussion for an extension, but we wait and see. There's been lots of rhetoric from Russia as they, that they will cancel the trade corridor if certain restrictions on Russia are not removed. These remain in place, however, and the alleged tax by Ukraine on Crimea and the Kremlin will not help with negotiations. A Ukrainian official said that they expect the country's wheat crop will produce 17 million tons of wheat and exports will be 9 million tons. He said that would leave a carryout of about 11 to 12 million tons compared to 3 million tons that are expected in the current year. Russian wheat won the lion's share of the Egyptian wheat tender for June-July shipment wheat. The June position wheat was sold at $250 per ton on a FOB basis, while the July position wheat was sold at $260 per ton on a FOB basis. Both prices were well below the supposed $275 price floor that the government recommended. For the coming week, the rally in futures is a good opportunity to finish old crop sales if not already done. For now, 2020-23 crops look big and local currencies are weak, so it's difficult to be sure of demand. Russia is very hard to predict, but we think they will be the cheapest cash wheat supplies through the September to December period. Weather continues to create uncertainty. We are sold out of old crop and will wait before selling additional volumes of new crop. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. July canola closed at 738.10, up $4.90. November canola closed at 713.80, up $2.20. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 8.47 and 3 quarters, up 4 cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at 8.56 and a quarter, up 12 cents. July Chicago wheat 
closed at 643 and a half, down 10 and a half cents. July corn closed at 584 and three quarters, down 11 and three quarters of a cent. July soybeans closed at 1414 and a quarter, down 19 and a half cents. July oats closed at 337 and a quarter, down two cents. And that's the commodities update. Protein Industries Canada received quite the response in the first round of accepting expression of interest letters for their technology leadership program in February. 36 expressions of interest were submitted by companies, and as those are being reviewed, another round of EOIs will be accepted starting yesterday. CEO Bill Gruel notes there's an incentive for those who are approved. Yes, so what Protein Industries Canada does is we'll provide up to 45% of the cost of that overall project. And so it's really aimed at um, de-risking innovation or helping companies tackle projects that might be a little riskier or where they need some uh, financial assistance to move that innovation forward. So at Protein Industries Canada, we do provide up to 45% of the cost of an overall project. He explains how this will benefit farmers. Yeah, I, I think we're always focused on, on helping farmers in, uh, in Western Canada. I think one of the biggest things that we're trying to do at Protein Industries Canada is increase the amount of ingredient processing that's happening throughout the prairies. And the big thing that that does is give farmers options on where to market their grains and, and oil seeds and cereal crops. So you could imagine us funding and supporting a company to increase uh, ingredient manufacturing in rural Saskatchewan. Uh, if they build a processing facility, that gives farmers a place to market their crop that's, that's close to the area of production. That does a couple things. It helps them manage some of the issues and challenges with rail transportation. It opens up new markets that takes away the risk of non-tariff trade barriers that sometimes the pulse industry is, is facing. It reduces the transportation costs for producers to get their products to an end-use market. And just more competition for the purchase of the raw commodities in rural Saskatchewan uh, is, is great for farmers because it's, uh, it's more competition for their dream. Gruel tells us how interested companies can apply for the funding. If anybody's interested, we're always happy to talk to new and potential members at Protein Industries Canada. Uh, we're available at uh, proteinindustriescanada.ca. You can read about the program guide. It expands a lot on what I've talked about. And uh, we've got program specialists across Western Canada that are happy to take calls from anybody interested to learn more about what we do. And he outlines the kind of timeline they're working on. We'll make a decision within a couple of weeks of receiving an expression of interest. And then the consortia of companies will then have to develop a larger scale project where we, it, it, it's pretty involved, but it, it's at the speed of the company. So however fast the company wants to move, we can, we can develop a full project application inside of a month if that's how fast the company can move. Generally, the process from the day that Protein Industry Canada receives an application to the day that we approve a project is about three to four months. The second call for projects is under a new allocation 
of $150 million in funding through the Global Innovation Cluster Program. The deadline to submit an expression of interest during the second round is June 26th. Please stay tuned. Your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up next. Farm Bulletin Board. The Bayer Crop Science Opportunities Scholarship Program is available to graduating grade 12 students entering their first year of post-secondary education in agriculture, food science, or a culinary program at a Canadian university or college of their choice in the fall of 2023. Scholarships will be awarded to students based on demonstrated academic achievement, leadership in their community, and their vision for how they will contribute to Canadian agriculture in the future. The application deadline is June 8th. To apply, students can visit www.cropscience.bayer.ca slash our-company slash scholarship information to review the program guidelines and connect to Scholarship Partners Canada, a division of Universities Canada, who serve as the independent administrator for the Bayer Crop Science Opportunity Scholarship Program. If you know of a student planning to pursue studies in agriculture or a food-related discipline of study, encourage them to apply today. Farm Credit Canada is now accepting applications from registered charities, non-profit organizations, and First Nations, Métis, or Inuit governments and communities in rural Canada for the FCC AgriSpirit Fund. The fund will award $1.5 million in funding this year. The application deadline is fast approaching. It's on Monday, May 15th, and FCC will announce the selected projects come September. Applicants can view the eligibility requirements, pass projects, and apply online by visiting www.fccagraspiritfund.ca. For the past 19 years, FCC has awarded rural community groups between $5,000 and $25,000 in FCC AgriSpirit funding for various community improvement initiatives. This year, the fund will once again support capital projects that enrich the lives of residents in cities, towns, or indigenous communities with fewer than 150,000 people. Examples include refrigeration and equipment to support food waste reduction and recovery, construction of community buildings or improvements and upgrades that reduce a building's energy footprint, as well as greenhouses and community gardens, and various other agriculture and food-related initiatives in rural communities. Since inception of the FCC AgriSpirit Fund in 2004, FCC has supported 1,529 capital projects in rural Canada, totaling $19.5 million in donations. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today.
partly sunny, winds south-southwest at 10 to 15 and a high of 19. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds east-southeast at 10 and a low of 5. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud with a 30% chance of showers, winds north-northwest at 10, a high of 22 and an overnight low of 8. For Thursday, partly to mainly sunny, winds northeast at 10, and a high of 23. For Friday, partly sunny, a high of 24, and Saturday, mainly sunny, a high of 25. In the Paw and Show Lake Russell, it's 15 degrees, Swan River and Roblin are at 14, Dauphin 16, Brandon 17. Regina and Saskatoon, as well as Broadview, Mooseman, all reporting in at 17. Hudson Bay, 14. Indian Head, 16. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 15. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky. A west-southwest wind at 9 kilometers an hour. 51% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 15 degrees. That's your agriculture weather and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12:15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.